you are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. Today, we have a very special guest, Amina Kimes of Amina Kimes Show with Lenny and ESPN, pretty much every show on ESPN, I think will be joining us today. Mina, welcome to the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Is is Lenny around by chance? He's sitting over there in the corner. He'll weigh in as necessary. Good to know. Good to know. I'm glad that Lenny's presence will be here. Obviously, there are a few things that we want to talk about today, and it goes back to when Joe Burrow first threw in OTAs. There were comments made about the offensive line, and that's kind of where it started. And there was a clip that was going around on Twitter that got cut off, of course. And we all know that that happens on the Internet. But let's start with a tweet you made, actually, about an hour ago. You made a a positive (laughs) Bengals tweet that I think would be a a really fun place to start. And PFF put out a, a question. Who's the player in the NFL that gets the least recognition for talent? Your answer, Jesse Bates. Now, my question for you is, was the answer Jesse Bates because you knew you were coming on this show about an hour later? Yeah, I was actually thinking about the Bengals and just looking at the death chart, um, I guess, yesterday, because uh, I was looking at my schedule and saw we were chatting. And then I saw someone else did it with that tweet. You know, it's one of those t- tweets where you quote tweet it with your kind of a response or whatever. And uh, yeah, it just Jesse Bates was just in my head from uh, looking at the death chart. Um, although, you know, I would say also that most of the safeties are pretty nice and Cincinnati is definitely the strength of the roster yeah there's no doubt and another strength uh, I would say is is Joe Burrow and that's where man we've uh we've had a ton of debate a ton of talk and we're going to get to the offensive line and and all of that stuff but what are your 50,000 foot view impressions of of Joe Burrow because uh obviously if you can't tell people in Cincinnati love him they should well first of all the new teeth are spectacular. I don't know wh- what's behind that. Or I, Ben Baby, who does a terrific job of covering uh, the Bengals for us at ESPN, yeah. tweeted like Joe Burrow. I think he has new teeth. And I think I was on TV and I saw the tweet and I was like, "What the? What does that even mean? Like new teeth?" And then and then they played video of the presser on NFL Live, and I was like, "Oh wow, his teeth look amazing." So I don't know what's going on there, but good job, Joe. Your teeth look great, it's shiny white. Um, yeah, I I was a big fan of Burrow coming out of college. I thought unequivocal number one pick, um, you know, greatest season by a college quarterback. I loved watching him at LSU, and I loved watching him before he got hurt last year in Cincinnati. I think you saw a lot of the traits that made him so special in college. Um, the accuracy, the intelligence, the aggressiveness. Um, I The thing I like, I think maybe the most about him and something that is not I would say is what makes him especially unique is how well he moves in the pocket, his feel for pressure. I think I had a joke. I joked when he was in college that I couldn't wait for draft season when people would pretend to be surprised by his athleticism because he's a white guy. But um, I, it was cool to see that translate at the NFL level, like the movement abilities. And that's not necessarily, you know, zone read or taking off for 20 yards. It's those subtle things that, the, that he does with his body and his awareness of space that make him really unique. Um, a couple last week, I guess it's this week, actually, on my pod, I don't know when this is coming out. Uh, Nate, I had Nate Tyson and we were talking about all the different quarterbacks and he says something about Burrow that I love. So I'm just going to take it straight from him. 
which is that he has a really strong awareness of his own abilities. And that sounds like negging, but it's so important for a quarterback. Um, Not everyone has an arm like Josh Allen, but sometimes quarterbacks think they do. Joe Burrow, I think, is really acutely aware not only of his strengths, but also his limitations. Uh, So that was my Joe Burrow monologue for you guys. There you go. There's a good Joe Burrow monologue. And I listened to your episode with Nate and it looked, okay. it sounded like you had two points that you wanted to make. You only got to one of them. And you guys talked a little bit about the deep ball. And I, I know Nate made the point about him knowing who he was. There's this speaking of things other people told us about Joe Burrow. I was talking to Hayden Wanks. He does underdog fantasy with Josh Norris. I was talking to him earlier this week and he reminded me that has Joe Burrow ever, when he says something, not followed through with that thing. And the the context for that was around Joe Burrow and and Tyler Boyd and CJ Uzama talking about the increase in velocity for Burrow mm. in camp and, and the strengthened hips through his rehab and the tinkering to his mechanics that the Bengals want us to believe he's he's improved his arm strength this year. You talk to Steve Ruiz and he's gonna call Joe Burrow a noodle arm any chance he gets. So when you hear Joe Burrow talk about, you know, I think I've done things to improve my arm strength. Are you one of those people like Hayden and really like you reminded myself where when Joe Burrow says something, you believe him because to me, he's just got that earned confidence. Um, I think people, players say a lot of things in May and I am not going to adjudicate whether or not, you know, him or whoever was Boyd. You said who was touting the zip or a different player. Yeah. Tyler Boyd and CJ Uzama. Uzama was talking oh, to his former Uzama. teammate uh, back at LSU, whose name I'm not blanking on Thaddeus Moss. And he was like, Hey, Thaddeus oh, yeah. was, is this how Thaddeus, Joe threw? Yeah. Am I just like, am I just rusty? Sure. But yeah. They were saying um, there was so zip. I don't know if there's going to be zip. I, I can't predict the future. I don't know. I, I also can't speak to, I think, quarterbacks increasing their arm strength. Um, generally, you know, how, how feasible that is. But I, I will sort of reiterate what I what I said to Nate, which is the deep ball struggles. And there were struggles last year with Burrow. You can certainly pin some of it on arm strength and placement, but you can also pin a lot of it on protection and the receivers. So the addition of Jamar Chase, obviously, you know, incredible deep ball target in college. And then the question mark of the offensive line, which we can get to, those are things that'll contribute as much to his ability to connect deep as whether or not, you know, he's muscled up or whatever it takes. We talk about it all the time here on Locked On Bengals. Built Bar is the number one protein bar on the planet. It's because they have something for everyone. It's not just their nine delicious flavors or occasional limited time flavor or that they're covered in 100% chocolate. It's the fact that they're going to help you achieve either your fitness goals or your post-quarantine 15-pound loss goals or whatever the case is as summer vacation looms. Check them out right now at BuiltBar.com. And the best part is the macros. They are low in sugar, low in calories, high in protein, perfect for you. So go to BuiltBar.com right now, see everything they have to offer, and be sure to use promo code LOCK15. You're going to get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. With the ever-increasing number of makes and models on the market, it's impossible for storefronts to stock everything that you might need for your vehicle in their store. So why deal with it? Why deal with the counter person looking up the parts and ordering them so you have to go back and get them later when you could do it at home 
from the convenience of your computer or your mobile device, rockauto.com has you covered. They're a family business that's been serving auto parts for over 20 years. Their website is incredibly easy to use. All you got to do is go and search for the parts you need. They've got everything from engine control modules to brake parts to tail lamps, even new carpet. Whatever you need, rockauto.com will have you covered. Their price is always reliably low, the same for you as it is for the professionals. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Let's get to the offensive line because I think that's probably where uh, a lot of listeners, they, they want to hear about it and hear your <laughs> thoughts about it. Uh, obviously, the clip that played uh, sent a lot of people on Twitter into a frenzy. At the same time, we watched the the rest of it and talked about it here on the podcast. I don't know if the Bengals have done enough for, uh, on the offensive line to protect Joe Burrow. I think it's a fair question. I know Jake and I wanted the Bengals to spend more in free agency to get proven talent yeah. so they wouldn't have to bank on a rookie. But... The floor is yours when it comes to to the offensive line. What are your thoughts uh, on the Bengals in in their quest to protect Joe Burrow? Sure. Yeah. The I think I I thought the Chase versus Sewell debate was truly a debate, and I I don't think I know. I might not have said it on this particular episode from which this clip you're talking about came from, but I actually thought Miami should have gotten more criticism for uh, not taking Sewell than Cincinnati. I, I've said that elsewhere, but. Um, as far as the Bengals go, it was pretty clearly a vote of confidence in Jonah Williams. And the point I was trying to make is in the in the clip that got around was that there's a lot of pressure on Jonah Williams, more than any other player on this football team, I think, because um, not just to stay on the field, because I think he's a good player. And I think I went on to say that in, in the clip, but he also has been injured two years in a row. And that's not good <laughs> for a first round draft pick, especially in, in the top half. Um, last year, obviously, it was later in the year. So it was MCL, right, if I remember correctly? First year was shoulder or something. So, um, you know, coming back from that is totally feasible. It's not like uh, Achilles or something where it's going to be more challenging, I think. But it is a lot of pressure because of the decision they made, because of the opportunity cost. I like Riley Reef. I think he's a totally solid player. Um, and I think, you know, he'll give them an upgrade there on the, on the right side of the line. But, you know, he's not like, Lane Johnson, like, I, I mean, he's, he's a good player. He's a good player. But, you know, the, the hope is that you have anchored the left and right side with good players. Um, I have questions about the interior of the line, which we didn't have time to get into on the show. I, I know I think I, a lot of the Bengals fans were uh, excited about Carmen, the kid from uh, Clemson, which I have questions about that transition, moving him inside. Um, I'm not the greatest evaluator of offensive line, individual talent, certainly their abilities to um, change positions as rookies. But I've talked to some folks who coach offensive line around the league and uh, friends of mine who are former linemen, and uh, they had some similar skepticisms about that. So we'll see how it goes. I think, um, you know, where he was drafted made sense for him. I just think the transition as a rookie to the NFL is a lot going on there. Um, and, you know, so we'll, we'll see about the inside of the line. Um, I, you know, it, it was obviously a problem. I 
didn't get a chance to talk about the coaching changes. So we, we, yeah, you'd be shocked. The uh, national audience doesn't always want to hear about the intricacies of uh, assistant coaching changes. And um, no, but um, I imagine that will help as well, because I think that is definitely something that's very underrated when we talk about offensive line play in the NFL and something you really see it with teams like a Cleveland where they go out and get Callahan and obviously they improved on talent, but also the coaching or in Denver, God, where they get Munchak, right? So hopefully that helps as well. And you can return to the glory days of the uh, late to early 2010s. When would you say the offensive line peaked? Peaked? Oh, there, there were a couple of good offensive lines because you go from like the Willie Anderson era, the Willie Anderson, Bobby Williams, and then into Andrew Whitworth and Kevin Zeitler and Clint Bowling. Yeah. And they, they, they Bengals fans really have been spoiled for a long time when Paul Alexander was around. Things, of course, go yeah. south with Paul Alexander with the selections of Cedric Abwehi and Jake Fisher. And then they go to Frank Pollock, who, as you note, is now back in Cincinnati. There are a few things in, in that package of comments that I want to talk about. And maybe the, the most interesting one is I think obviously you have a better understanding of the Bengals offensive line situation than many fans gave you credit for based on the clip that they saw. And hopefully hearing you talk about things like the coaching change and like Jackson Carmen's transition and like Riley Reef and acknowledging the things that you've just said resonates with fans listening to this show. And, and a lot of Bengals fans listen to this show. So I, I hope that they hear that and they stop harassing you if you're getting any of no, that. It's but, okay. um, I'm not. It's all right. That is very low on the, the uh, list of types of harassment. I get Bengals angry off its line. It's totally fine. But it's a weird thing, right? I mean, you, you've talked about it and, and who was it? Uh, Golik? No. Well, we were, we, yeah, Golik and I were laughing because this was the Dolphins last year because yeah. they got mad. Um, and it wasn't even, I wasn't going after the Bengals offensive line, but it was also another clip taken from NFL Live where um, the point I, I think I made about the Dolphins was that um, the transition from Fitzpatrick to Tua would expose some of the issues with the line because Ryan Fitzpatrick, love him or hate him, he is a veteran quarterback who gets that ball out quickly. And to that end, I think, you know, Joe Burrow, um, his progression as a quarterback will also help the offensive line because he didn't always make their life easy to my eye as well as a rookie. There were a lot of sacks that were on him, too. And anyways, that was with the Dolphins. I was talking about how quarterback play can expose, accentuate or, um, you know, w help offensive lines. So when you're talking about it with the national audience is, is kind of where I was going. And, and you're saying you're right. Like national audiences aren't going to differentiate very much between Jim Turner and Frank Pollock, whereas Bengals fans who are like really dialed in know that Jim Turner, probably best known for Bullygate, Frank Pollock, best known for being a Bill Callahan disciple in Dallas and maybe developing Mekhi Becton a little bit in New York. And I've heard from Bengals coaches that think there will be, and, and this is their words, a marked, marked improvement in offensive lineman technique in 2021. So the coach is very optimistic about Frank Pollock, but when you're covering it nationally, how do you tread that fine line of knowing all of these details and trying to make a salient point while speaking the language of the masses that need to hear that point? Well, I, I think I mentioned um, Williams and Reef on the show, who I think are kind of the players that... Um, you know, when we're, when the, if the question is who on the Bengals is under the most pressure, the point I was making, it's not Joe Burrow, it's Jonah Williams. <laughs> um, 
I think most non-Bengals fans, frankly, don't know who Jonah Williams is. They don't know that he was a first-round draft pick. They don't know how good he was in college and why he was a first-round draft pick. So to me, it was important to just kind of isolate, okay, the two most important things are that they signed this right tackle and that they are hoping their left tackle, who was a first-rounder, stays healthy. Uh, you, you can't really get to you – know, you, I mean, you know, uh, getting detailed beyond that on the offensive line is probably a bit much for, for just everyone watching. As far as Joe Burrow, are you done with the offensive line, Jake? Because I, I want to <laughs> anymore. Well, I, I do have a stat. Do one more for about you. the offensive line, then. Go ahead. Okay, I, I have a stat for you, Mina. You can take it or leave it. But I went back and looked because at, at this point in time, I was like, okay, how many of the problems from last year are still on the Bengals? And so I broke down using PFF numbers because it's accessible and it's easy. Pressures allowed by player. And, and looking only at the weeks Joe Burrow played, there were three players on the Bengals that gave up 50% of the pressures when Joe Burrow played. Those players were Mike Jordan, who's still on the team, but is, in my opinion, fighting for a roster spot. He, he's well off of the starting job unless he's taken massive strides. There was Bobby Hart, who's obviously been replaced by Riley Reef on the right side. And there was Alex Redmond, who signed somewhere. I can't. Oh, uh, New England, actually, is where he ended up as a, as a backup or a camp body. Those three guys combined to give up 59 pressures on 1,535 snaps. The, the other pressures in that period of time, 58 pressures on nearly 2,000 snaps. So the three guys that they've replaced, they gave up most of the pressures or, or more than 50% of the pressures when Joe Burrow was playing accounted for fewer snaps than the guys that are returning that gave up the same amount of pressures on a lot more snaps. So to me, what, what that tells me is that they've replaced the weakest links, at least, at least as starters. And that I think is certainly something that I, I don't know. I don't know. How, do you think a national audience would hear that? And that would mean anything to them if, if that were something that were presented? I think with offensive line play, you just kind of got to see it. <laughs> I, I, I uh, you know, I, I think also again with Williams, like I said, like he is a good player. When I watched him last year, I thought he play- maybe you guys disagree. I mean, that you just quoted the sacks aloud, but to my eye, he looked good. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, with the best, best skill is availability. Right. So it is a matter of can he stay healthy and stay on the football field? Yeah, for sure. And and we think Jonah Williams is a good player, too. I, I think he will be absolutely fine at left tackle. I just uh, thought maybe it was noteworthy to point out that they replaced 50% of the pressures allowed on a smaller amount of snaps. They, they replaced the guys that like were overrepresented in pressures allowed is, <laughs> is kind of what I was trying to get out there. But yeah, I get it. It's offensive line and it's a national show. But I, I just wanted to throw that one out there as, as a closing thought on the offensive line. All right, I'll get to, to my quick Joe Burrow thing, and I know we're, we're kind of against it on time, but uh, you're a Seattle Seahawks fan, and there had to have been a moment going through the Russell Wilson experience pre-Super Bowl, and maybe it was in camp, you know, when he won the, the job uh, after being a day three pick, but uh, when, or day two pick, excuse me, but what was that like? Because I think Bengals fans view it as, we have our Russell Wilson when did you 
feel that way. What did you have to see uh, as a Seahawks fan from Wilson to, to get that? Because they came in differently, first overall pick, third rounder. But yeah. uh, still, it had to have been a, a fun feeling. Very different teams too, right? Like the Seahawks team yeah. early on was so known for the defense. I'll be, I mean, we haven't talked about it, but I'm very interested in seeing the Bengals defense because it, you talk about the changes in the offensive line. Goodness, there's so many changes in that defense. And I think it's going to be really fascinating to see how those pieces up front fit together. But um, as far as Wilson goes, you know, going back to that 2012 season, uh, there was a win against New England that really jumps out in my mind at the last second. I think it's the famous Richard Sherman, you mad yeah. to Tom Brady picture. Um, just because um, I th- think with a rookie quarterback, you want to see them not only like put a team on their back or whatever, but also um, do it against a team that you know is Super Bowl caliber, right? And, and to do that against, to go into Foxborough, do that against New England. Um, I think with Burrow this season, I haven't looked at the schedule, but if he feels like, he's putting together those kinds of performances against frankly, the rest of your division, which is unfortunately very good. Um, similarly to the NFC West, I think that's going to be really telling. Um, you know, I, I, I'm looking forward to watching it. I'm really looking forward to, I think the Bengals have a really, really fun group of skill players. Like for as the uh, cost of the offensive line is the gain of that group of receivers, which is really, really nice. Um, and I'm excited to see what kind of stuff Zach Taylor does with him. Because, by the way, I said there's a lot of pressure on Jonah Williams. I think there's also a lot of pressure on Taylor, too. Uh, and I think how he uses these weapons at his disposal is going to be really important. You mean 625-1 and one over two seasons isn't good, Mina? Not ideal. Not <laughs> ideal. <laughs> no, you're right. There's a ton of pressure on him. I think the seat's pretty, pretty hot. I think that's something we would definitely agree with. The, the quarterbacks that the Bengals face this year, by the way, in Paul Brown Stadium include Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, if he stays in Green Bay. And if he doesn't stay in Green Bay, the Bengals play Denver, too. So Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, one way or the other. It's a, it's a murderer's row a little bit for quarterbacks that the Bengals play this year. So Joe Burrow will have his opportunities to go toe-to-toe with some of the greats in the game. Mina, we want to thank you for your time. Thank you for proving to Bengals fans that <laughs> Hey, guys, she knows what she's talking about. Cut her some slack on the offensive line stuff and check her out. I mean, she's got a great podcast up right now. They talked about all 32 NFL starting quarterbacks. Mina and Nate Tice did on the Mina Kimes podcast with Lenny. Unfortunately, we didn't get any thoughts from Lenny today, but maybe another time. (laughs) Lenny would just like to say he also loves Skyline Chili because it looks like his food. Yeah, if you needed to endear yourself to Cincinnati fans any further, I think that is the ticket. Mina, thanks so much. Bye, guys. Nice to meet you. That was Mina Kimes. Of course, you can find her at Mina Kimes on Twitter. Find her on the many, many ESPN programs she participates on and her podcast, of course, with her cute dog, Lenny. Coming up next, the Bengals were still active this week. There are a few things that we need to talk about, a few news items to catch you up on. We'll go there to finish up the show and get you into the weekend. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Major League Baseball, the regular season in full swing. Plus, you got the NBA playoffs and so much more. And if you just want to stick to NFL, maybe just stick to Bengals, you can bet on Jamar Chase to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. You can bet on Joe Burrow or Joe Mixon, the two Joes, to win NFL Comeback Player of the Year. And you can do that at betonline.ag. Get off the sidelines, get in on the action, 
and head to betonline.ag right now, or you can use your mobile device to sign up. And when you sign up, make sure you use promo code Locked On, and you're going to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It is that simple. Betonline.ag, promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. The final Cincinnati Bengals to sign their rookie contracts, to sign their rookie contracts, and notably... That means Jamar Chase's deal has been finalized. The signing bonus coming in just south of $20 million, which means his year one cap hit will be about $5.5 million for Jamar Chase. That puts, according to SpotTrack, the Bengals salary cap remaining space somewhere right around $20 million for the top 51 rule, which is in effect in the offseason. That means that there's plenty of space if the Bengals want to use current year for Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard extensions, if they want to go sign another veteran, they have the space to do so. And the small addition of the Jamar Chase cap hit, which at $5.6 million, it's offset uh, for the top 51 rule, $850,000. The effective cap hit, the, the increase in cap spending ends up being just under $5 million. So, Good to see that the deal is done. The Bengals have plenty of space and flexibility to do whatever it is they'd like to do with the remainder of their cap space this offseason. I'm just happy, Jake, that they were able to get the deal done because I know we were all sweating a potential Jamar. I'm just kidding. I can't do it. I can't do it, right? You, that, There were so many times where you said, I'm not worried about it. They're going to get the deal done. And obviously they did uh, with Chase and Joseph Osai. And yeah, plenty of cap space to go around. So We'll see what they do. Uh, as far as veterans, I think it would just be one of these, uh, you know, lower end, mid level veterans that that is a, a depth signing. But like you mentioned, Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, I think those extensions are going to be uh, at the top of their priority list. And, and not only did the Bengals get the deal done, but they were one of, or no, sorry, when he signed, Jamar Chase was the highest draft pick to sign. So they got it done and they got it done quickly. They didn't need to wait for anybody else to get their deal done around him. Jamar just figured out how he wanted that money to get paid out and put pen to paper. So nothing to worry about. Just like there was never anything to worry about. Speaking of Jamar Chase, apparently the psychic connection with Joe Burrow is back. Jamar Chase said, we can look at each other and already know what we're thinking. I just knew it. I just know sometimes I have a feeling. It's happened, according to Chase, a couple times in these last couple weeks of voluntary practices where just from a glance, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase back together in Cincinnati and back on the same page. It's one of those things that's not shocking to hear, but you love to hear it, right? And uh, yeah, Chase looks, uh, he looked good on Tuesday when I was there at OTAs. No drops, by the way, I know people were worried about the drops. And uh, man, he might have the thickest calves of any receiver I've seen. I'm trying to think of another receiver who's got calves like Jamar Chase. Obviously, that doesn't help him catch the ball. The rapport with Joe Burrow does. But uh, just pointing that out. Tree trunks for legs, James. Very strong lower body. He's got those belt bar calves, Jake. Uh-huh. Yep. Sure. Uh, speaking of other OTA observations, James, I noticed that those... Updated practice jerseys are rolling in. It's not just Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow wearing them now. Uh, a majority, I would say, of the players at this point in photos had the new jerseys on. Those old ones were looking old, like 
tattered. The the numbers were wearing off and stuff. So it's it's nice to see that these guys got some new gear. No doubt about it. I'm just glad no one's wearing that 18 practice jersey because people would have uh, been outraged again, right? But no, I agree with you. I think they look pretty good. And the Bengals posted a picture of Joe Burrow on Thursday, and he didn't have a helmet on or anything. And it, the jersey looked great. I don't know if you saw it, but it, it was on their social media. And it wasn't his smile that uh, caught my attention, even though it certainly did a, a few days ago when we saw it for the first time. It was that jersey. That's still all I can look at. All I can look at when I see Joe Burrow. Oh, that's what I wanted to say to Mina. I wanted to. I wanted. To, I wanted to joke with her about the teeth because Ben. Ben, she's right. Ben was the first Bengals media person to tweet about it, but that was the first thing I noticed when he was going out to OTAs. And and as soon as as soon as Ben put that tweet up, I sent him a direct message like, "Man, I was wondering if anyone's going to tweet about those teeth." And uh, I, I wanted to joke about that with me. That's what I forgot to do. But that's still all I can see. When I see Joe Burrow and he's not in motion throwing footballs in a video, all I can look at is his teeth. You better have a really high end mouth guard that he's wearing because you got to protect those pearly whites. Well, I think the the perk to, to what he's done is that, you know, if something happens, you can just replace it. Sure. But that's a hassle, man. He's got to be yeah. studying the playbook. He doesn't have time to replace that that lateral incisor. I don't think he needs to be studying the playbook exactly, but he could be spending some time. To, I think he knows the playbook, right? I, I, but he could be <laughs> spending time I mean. doing something productive, more productive than sitting in a chair at a dentist's office getting his teeth molded. Watching film. I guess sure. you can watch film. He could watch film at the dentist's office, technically. He could. I bet you he huh? was. I mean, th- think about his work ethic, right? Probably doing rehab exercises while he's in the chair, watching film on, on the other, on the TV screen. Anyway, uh, that's probably going to do it for this episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. As we said earlier, we're doing the mailbag on Sunday. So we're going to put up that question thread on Friday. And that gives you a couple of days to get your questions. And if you have questions about what we talked with Mina about, if you have questions about OTAs, if you have whatever questions are in your mind, you'll have a couple of days to get those in. And then we'll lead off next week when James and I record on Sunday for an episode that'll come out late on Sunday. We'll take your questions at that point. So get those questions ready. Look for that thread tomorrow. And until next time, Bengals fans, who day? And have a good one.